Running sales, promotions, and discounts is something almost every store does. And there's no promotions app more advanced than bold discounts. It's the easiest way to set up and automate a sale without coupon codes. Think of bold discounts as your store's advanced sale engine. The amount of flexibility in this thing is wild. Listen to this. You can choose whether or not coupon codes are allowed during a sale. It supports smart deal stacking. Let's say you've got overlapping promotions. The app will automatically choose the best offer between the two. And I love that you can add custom HTML to products on sale. So this is great for easily and automatically adding wording to your products like clearance sale, all sales final, etc. They've even added new sales icons and countdown timers. So now if you're running a store-wide sale, you can add their countdown timer in your header, homepage, wherever you want. No coding needed. And that's just scratching the surface of stuff it could do. So if you're looking for a way to automate sophisticated sales in your Shopify store, maybe for flash sales or upcoming holidays, Bold Discounts will get you up and running within seconds. And as an unofficial Shopify podcast listener, Bold is offering you their discounts app free for two months. To get this special offer, go to kurtelster.com slash bold, and you'll be able to install it from there. That's kurtelster.com slash bold. What's the number one customer support request you get? I bet it's, hey, where's my order? My friends at Ventov, makers of SEO Meta Manager, have a solution for this. It's called Order Lookup, and it lets customers look up their orders, right, good name, with either their email or order number, reducing the order inquiries you get in your inbox. We use it on our own high-volume Shopify Plus client stores like Hoonigan and Yvonne Stells to provide real-time order info to customers with a fully customizable order lookup page so you can keep that thing on brand. And hey, if you're a dropshipper, it even works with ePacket. You can get a seven-day free trial when you search order lookup in the App Store. I am wearing makeup. I don't like to look shiny. I made my wife put powder on me on my T-zone. Do I look? Do I look beautiful? I'm pretty. Uh, I I was just wondering if you're gonna have to stop and go powder your nose at some point. I powdered my nose just now, so we should be good for an hour. Like, I don't know how frequently one powders the nose. I don't know. It's whenever you need to go to the bathroom, I guess. That's what we call. So what'll it. be really disappointing is if I'm still shiny and I've wearing makeup yeah that will disappoint me today on the unofficial shopify podcast we're answering your questions we're going to talk uh we got a whole bunch of merchant questions some good ones we're going to call some experts bring them in to get their answers on this one try something a little different and not one question is about the bad thing none is about COVID 19 or the pandemic so if you're sick of hearing about that we'll save it to just the intro mr rita i'm mad why are you I'm mad? Very mad. I'm so mad. Cause what Shopify hobby horse have I been obsessed with for the last, say, two to three years? What's my like moonshot Shopify thing I was obsessed with? You desperately wanted to get the MLB minor league baseball, not major league, minor league, off of whatever legacy janky platform they were using to sell before they and onto Shopify. Yeah. Cold fusion. Oh my gosh. So definite yes. legacy stuff. And as people may know who have seen the video, I have a lot of shirts. I like buying things from minor league teams because they're silly and weird and fun. And their stores are so bad. They were so terrible. The, some, like truly some of the worst stores I've ever seen. And I've always wanted this to happen. I don't know how it was going to happen. I was at Unite last year. I was literally corralling Shopify people to be like, listen, here's my idea. We got to do this. I'm not a big enough fish, but you work at Shopify, so you can help make this happen. Just wet my beak a little bit. And <laughs> they kind of they kind of slowly backed away from me, and then I never heard from them ever again. Mm-hmm. But lo and behold, I went on Minor League Baseball's website last week, and Minor League Baseball is now on Shopify. So you should be thrilled. The thing you wanted to happen happened. I know. I should be thrilled, and I realize this is stupid, but I'm mad because I'm mad because a company that doesn't know I exist did the thing I wanted them to do, but they didn't involve me in it. 
Why maybe, couldn't I have been involved? Maybe in all it? your yelling about the MLB needing to be on Shopify got through to someone and it happened. You should take full credit for this. Well, I don't want to because their current setup also still pretty bad on Shopify, but fixable, but nowhere near the level it should be at. You know, it, it, it's a lot of brands and, and product and they just moved from cold fusion. I'm sure it's an improvement. It is, but, you no, know, it's an the version one is never amazing of any project. So if they need some consulting, they, they, they should call us. All right. But the other problem is, as an extra bonus, fuck you. I looked at the company that did it for them, and I was looking at the other jobs that that company did. And one of the other jobs they did is the official Star Trek store that is also on Shopify. <laughs> and it's like <laughs> a thing I, I didn't even know I wanted, and they stole it from me. I believe I've, we've encountered the official Star Trek store before because I think they used one of our apps. We didn't interact with them at all. No, I just, that was... You know, um, I see who installed it. That was the official Gene Roddenberry store. Oh, okay. My mistake. It was like things that Gene Roddenberry owns the rights to, but it's like not official Star Trek things that Viacom owns the rights to. (laughs) There was a There's a lot of weird licensing with Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did a whole thing where he like started his own licensing company in the 70s because he decided he needed more money. And it's like, it's very, he was a very shady man. (laughs) Oh, don't tell me that. Uh, He was. No, he was not a good dude. Uh, so, but I have a new brand that I want that we discuss. I discovered yesterday, Marconi foods, makers of Jardinera and other great Chicago foods. They're on Shopify. So if you work for Marconi foods, hire us. Uh, do Kurt, you feel their site could be improved? Get them. I still think I, I need to replatform dots pretzels to Shopify. Oh, well, yeah, we, yeah, we want to re That's replatforming. My. Yeah, replatforming dots is a higher priority than optimizing Marconi Foods. Marconi Foods is already on Shopify. Uh, and I'd imagine a lot of people who are now um, are going direct to consumer are you know these um, like brands that you would typically only think of buying in a grocery store now selling online are probably doing pretty well right now. I mean, like my one true panic buy. When I couldn't, when I was wondering how the heck am I going to get groceries, was six pounds of Dots pretzels online because I was like, there's a lot of calories that I could just get shipped to my house. So I would admit, like, that space is probably doing pretty well at the moment. Uh, On that topic, a lot of people trapped at home seem to be doing retail therapy. I've seen memes about it, I've seen data about it. Have you bought any, and you were talking about like kitschy t shirts, have you bought any stupid shit while you're uh, staying at home? No, I have not bought any stupid shit because, as we we may recall, I just bought a house and I'm repainting that house and redoing the floors in this house and getting a new window in the house and all the other house-related and getting carpeting in the basement. So all of my money is being thrown into this house project, leaving no money for fun things. That's always fun. Uh, I enjoyed that stage of home ownership. I am not. (laughs) You know, come back to me in six months. You'll, You'll be proud. You'll like it. Uh, on the last episode, you had talked about, we said, hey, do you do the floors first or paint the walls first? And that turned out to be like the most engaging thing we said on that show <laughs> based on the number of comments and emails I got about it. Yeah, so what no, was I, the answer? What are you doing? Well, everyone declared that you got to do the floors first. And they made a good argument for it. Yeah, and they made a good argument for it. And, you know, I bow to the wisdom of the crowd. Uh, okay. By the guys in there painting right now, and we don't have a floors person yet, so we're painting <laughs> first. That's just my wife needed something to get done, and the painting thing was the easiest. That she really needed to check a box off of something. A box needed to be checked very desperately. So okay, the painting was the easiest box to get checked. So you know, that but is the painting getting checked right now. Fresh paint always makes a room look better, and fresh paint where you pick the colors. Like, okay, that's the that's an important first step in that it's making the house yours. Yeah, well, uh, and I mean, the worst case scenario from what I read from everyone is that they're like, oh, the baseboard's going to look jacked up if they do the floors because, you know, the, the baseboard gets hit or stained or whatever. It's like, all right, well, I'll just have the guy come out and repaint the baseboards. Like, fine, just please, God, something get done in this house because I'm... I'll be honest with you, that house was a brown hellhole when I bought it. Everything was brown. It was terrible. And we the brown needed it to was, get out of there in order for me to be happy themed. in my house. 
It, it, it was. It was. You know. You know what? I'm not even kidding. Now that you mention that, and the colorings, and the way the wallpaper works, and the furniture in this one bathroom, I think it is Tuscan themed. It's very, very Tuscan themed. It's, it's horrible. It smells of rosemary. It's so bad, and you know, ugh. <laughs> this is how it I'm goes. talking about the You're house like... I bought. Yes, I well, bought this it. Is how I'm, it like, goes. Pl- I'm like, this place sucks. What idiot bought this place? Oh no! Uh, so, where have you been getting your news? Uh, I just sit on Twitter all day. Okay. And then I check that University of Washington projection thing every day, which is I think everyone agrees is bad. Now, like all the stats nerds <laughs> no. on the internet, all the stats nerds in the internet were like, "These guys are idiots." Actually, here's why it's bad. And I was like, "Okay, great. Well, fuck." And then uh, the University of Texas also started publishing like a projection uh, that no one has said is bad yet. So I'm just gonna choose to believe that that's good now. But I don't know. And so yeah, I just I follow I follow a lot of reporters and actual news sources on Twitter. So. That's just, that's, because Google killed Google Reader, so I can't have RSS feeds anymore, so. Yet, uh, yet, R- yet RSS is still a, a, a perfectly cromulent standard that powers podcasts today. I, I know, but they killed Reader. That was, yeah, like, Google killing Google Reader, this is weird, off topic, but I guess it matters in terms of internet content syndication. Uh, Google killing Google Reader effectively killed uh, blogging. It's very bizarre that that they the number one RSS reader goes away, creates a vacuum in that space, and then at the same time, like we have the rise of social media, and essentially everyone just gives up on blogging. It was very weird. Well, it, what it really is is, you know, if you were a small fry, you know, like a blogger, you would have people subscribe to your Google Reader for, feed, and you would can put advertising in your feed or like it would it was a traffic driver and you being even being a small fry you could drive enough traffic via your rss feed to survive google kills google reader what becomes the default feed of things that every person has access to now i don't know facebook yeah the facebook news feed but why would you drive people to that if you're google i assume maybe this was to get people on google plus which went nowhere I don't. Yeah, what was the thing we were like? Well, can you? Are we monetizing Google Reader? No. Why are we working on it? It's not making any money. And then so then they essentially by abandoning it, they conceded this space to Facebook, and then Facebook took it over. And now everyone is learning that vaccines are terrible because obviously Facebook doesn't give a shit about anything. I don't even want that in the transcript. (laughs) Vaccines are terrible, Paul Rita. And uh, and like and then like all the only people that could push things into the feed are like everyone's now chasing the Facebook feed and Facebook's taking all the ad dollars and like if Facebook changes the algorithm, Google Reader is content neutral. If Facebook changes the algorithm, your site implodes and you don't get traffic anymore. Like there have I've read very persuasive essays that like the reason that internet journalism and writing is like a horrifying clickbait. fake news shit show is google killing google reader hmm i believe it especially yeah when you have yeah because it you this yeah it creates that vacuum it forces everyone into facebook in which you are not seeing a subscription you are seeing what the algorithm decides you see and it is based on engagement and who pays and the end result of that was listicles and insane headlines for the sake of uh gaming click-through rates yeah, exactly. Which pushes everyone. So everyone's using Facebook now, which means, well, we got to buy ads on Facebook. Why bother buying the ad on Facebook is better than buying ad on the news website after people click through from Facebook. Just cut out the middleman. So uh, let's just stop buying ads on news sites so news sites don't make any money. I don't know what the solution is. There is no solution. Ugh. I went, o- I was hoping I went that over you my have solution some brilliant- a couple weeks. No, my brilliant solution I talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Libra was that I was like, there needs to be a universal cryptocurrency wallet in everyone's browser so that they can get charged like five cents for every article they read. But, oh, okay. You know, you, you need oh, people like, would just be up in arms about that. 
we need to invent a cryptocurrency. We need to have every browser adhere to that standard. We need to have people put money into it. We need all the news websites to like write their part on the back end. We need to write an entirely new financial transaction system so that transaction can go through without you know, Visa swooping in and being like, by the way, moving five cents costs us four cents. Sorry. You know, so yeah, that'll never happen. It'll happen. And then I'll take my flying car to George Jetson's house and everything will be fine. <laughs> the my source for news has become, you know, news that doesn't make me want to scream has become Clavio's uh, business daily insights. So they're running, they've got their data. And we talked about this with, with Jake Cohen on a bonus episode of the podcast a couple of weeks ago. They've got their data from all their stores and uh, their their customers and subscribers. They also are doing um, their own research and surveys where they do a consumer survey and they do a business survey. And the thing's really fascinating. Every day you get like you have to take the survey, ideally, and then they send you the insights the next day for the previous day. And Jake uh, is now doing uh, videos where he interprets it that are very interesting. Or if you just want to be lazy, they send you just like, all right, here's three bullet points for each day with like trends or um, observations. And I find it really interesting. And it's it's purely e-commerce and like consumer sentiment. But they said, you know, like here, I'm looking at the most recent one. Many brands have seen soft sales in March, which was the beginning of the pandemic in the US, but are now seeing their sales increase. And paid social media continues to be a helpful revenue driving tool for apparel and accessories brands. Cool. That that's been keeping me sane. And then they dive deeper into it. But I'll include the link to that in the show notes. Or if you just go to Clavio.com, it's like always in the announcement bar. But that's been that's been my e-commerce business daily news source. Keep my finger on the pulse of e-com. Because it's good news. Because everyone's doing good. The, I said, the only, th- the only thing keeping me sane right now is the fact that our business is pretty much unchanged. Yes. And March, March was scary. And I thought, you know, we'll... We'll lean on our recurring revenue sources, which is uh, the podcast and uh, our app revenue. But we saw in the beginning of March, we had a bunch of uninstalls. But then the installs started coming back and the podcast listenership was largely unchanged. And then and we no client fired us, no client paused a project, and they kept paying their invoices. And now in April, it's like business as usual again, it's starting to feel like. Yeah. Um, and part of it is part of it's getting back into a routine. And I, I say this with like total gratitude, of course, you know, I, I absolutely, um, I, I'm thrilled and grateful and happy that we're in this position that we're in, um, we're lucky to be in e-commerce and in a position where, you know, business continues roughly as usual. It's starting to feel like, but I realize, I mean, that's not certainly not the case for everyone, especially like a lot of other B2B, um, businesses struggled but uh, I've also seen a lot of people who got hit pivoting, you know, that's very encouraging. And we've also seen people do unbelievably successful product launches. You know, I'd ask you like, hey, do you buy, buy any, any stupid crap for your house? Well, I bought a bunch of home goods, but I've also, um, you know, I've seen people, uh, some, several of our clients do new product launches and do really well, like as well or better than what they would have normally done or what you would have normally expected pre-pandemic. So I think like there's, a lot of people are suffering right now. There's no doubt about it. But there's also, um, you know, a, a group of people who essentially, like, their income was unchanged. Now they're at home shopping online, and they're not going out, so they have more disposable income. Okay, that overall, let's assume that spending is going to go down. Safe bet. But uh, e-commerce was only 8% of total retail. It's going to go way up because people can't go to a physical store. So if you're one of those e-com merchants, this is an incredible position. And then, of course, you, you know, like in this Clavio observation, paid social media is the costs are down 15 to 20 percent. So suddenly it's like what ads are easier. You know, they're cheaper. They're easier. There's more eyeballs on social media um, and people are buying because they don't have another outlet. So I don't think it's all bad. Uh, no, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, if you're in the lucky position to be selling something that people can use in their house like it's not like a you know luggage for the vacations you're going on uh and then you can also (laughs) buy facebook ads for it and like the main thing holding you back from facebook ads was like oh facebook ads are so expensive right now uh you are in you're just killing it you're doing it great because facebook ad rates have cratered people are sitting around the house doing puzzles and whatever 
and, and you know, you're just making mon- making bank. You know, and I had said like, all right, March our professional services. We were not seeing new work, and in April said it started to pick back up, and by that third week in April. Feels like normal again. Oh, we're, we're t- um, I, I mean, yeah, from what I've been seeing, we're totally normal in terms of new applications and all that sort of stuff. And I think, you know, what's going on there is it, it everyone said in March, everyone said, all right, hold up. Let's wait and see what happens here. And maybe we have to adjust. Maybe we have to figure some things out. And certainly we did. But by April, you know, you're starting to get used to new normal. And so I think people are getting more comfortable um you know, making business decisions and investing again in their businesses. So I want to do these listener Q&A questions. All right, yeah, let's get to it. We've killed more than enough time. I know. That intro was too long. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> all right, here's a, a th- here's a, an easy one. Rachel Reed asks, TikTok, is it time? I see what you did there, Rachel. I like it. Uh, I'm 39 and thus cannot give an opinion on this. I am too old. <laughs> I'm 37, uh, and I also feel like I don't know what I would do with TikTok. However, there again, I mean, the social media the, right now, everybody's at home, engagement's super high. So if you were going to attempt a new social media platform, and it was something you wanted to experiment with, it was something you said, all right, I just want to experiment with this one. Okay, why... I wouldn't pick any other than TikTok at the moment because that's the hottest thing going. Uh, And I would try to make that work. I think, all right, so let's think it through. Is it something that you could make a fun, quick video out of? Yes. I mean, it's like, say you're selling like cooking implements or whatever. If you can make like a weird, funny video about your cool, weird cooking implement, I think you could put that on TikTok and I guess build awareness. I don't know. How do you directly buy off of TikTok? Do you have to like put in a link and they click on it? Is there some way to purchase through it? Or you're just like... I have no idea. Yeah. Is it like a awareness building? But I think... I mean, it's video. I think it's more brand awareness. Yeah. Yeah. It's video. So if you can make cool, quick, fun videos like Vines or whatever, then I think you're... That's an opportunity for you to look at. If you're already comfortable, especially with a medium like... Um, Instagram or Facebook stories or Snapchat. I You already know, you already have the skills, you already know what to do with yeah, TikTok. Like exactly. you have enough to get going and starting to uh, to get posting regularly and then see what sticks, see what kind of things um, get engagement on that platform. Yeah, I feel like if you're already posting stuff on Instagram, especially Instagram stories, you just repurpose that for TikTok. I mean, that seems possible in my head. I th- uh, that seems like that should be oh, something you could do. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah. And then Rachel's got a second question. Unrelated, though. She says, let's hear everything loyalty programs. Experience with adding a loyalty program. Best approach. Which incentives work? Other stores doing this well? Et cetera. I only uh, got... We got we to gotta get your favorite favorite Italian plumber to use as a loyalty program smile.io or as you pronounce it it's smileyo smileyo they they should get uh yeah they should they should contact nintendo and have him go it's a me smileyo every time this will go well you go on their website (laughs) oh that'll be great uh the no so there's a few loyalty programs uh on shopify like there's swell uh rewards that got bought by yachtpo um loyalty lion and smile.io I don't, there's probably not a wrong choice. Um, The one I'm comfortable with personally is smile.io. I have the most experience with it. I've never had a bad experience with it. The support is good. And it's insanely easy to set up because it's just a widget launcher that you easily customize. So if you want like a no code solution to this um, that works well, uh, smile.io. The, uh, if you want a cool example of it, uh, Hoonigan. Hoonigan is, is pretty all in on smile for their loyalty program. And the only thing like they add that's not specifically part of Smile is uh, they have like a a really nice explainer page that's like, okay, this is what you get out of our loyalty program. And like when people talk about loyalty programs, I was like, well, all right. And they just like focus on the explainer page. Most people don't even have an explainer page. Um, You look the stuff up in the loyalty program if you've joined the, uh, but like that has nothing to do with the app. I mean, you're just, that's where you'd want like a page builder, like a Shogun or something. 
Um, but yeah, I would say you know, there's probably not a wrong choice, but experience and, and personal preference and bias. I like Smile. Um, the one catch with these things, I mean, you do have to promote it. You can't just like put it up there and expect it will just work for you. Um, certainly you want like, you want it as part of your welcome sequence. You want it as part of your post-purchase sequence to try and get people in it. And it'll integrate with Klaviyo so that you can make sure you're not sending people, you know, things inviting them to the loyalty program if they're already a member. Well, and I mean, yeah, can you do a thing where it's like you can email your list and we're like, hey, we're starting a loyalty program. If you sign up for it, we'll give you, you know, 200 free points or whatever to like get people started on it of previous buyers. So. Yeah. Smile's pretty flexible in the way it dishes out points. Because like on Hoonigan, we did it um, like they named Smiles very into branding. So like we named the different programs. So instead of like bronze, silver, gold, we went with uh, like car upgrade terms where it's like stage one, stage two, stage three. And you get different like there's different. Um, I think it issues you a coupon code at each time you hit each po uh, stage. And it's based on like your total lifetime spend. I think that's how they did it. I don't, they have an explainer page. It'll tell you how they did it. And that's all in Smile. There's nothing like weird or custom about it. All right. So short answer, smile and just make smile, reward your best customers and make sure um, you do a decent job of, of promoting it and explaining it. Uh, let's see what we got here. Ooh, let's do Mick Irving. Mick Irving asks, what about SEO apps versus DIY SEO versus using a consultant for SEO? For this one, I'm sure we both have opinions. But why don't we ask the expert? I want to call and loop in uh, Rianne Butler, Butler, who is just on to talk SEO recently. I'm very excited to All see right. this not work. Yeah, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> it's going to be like the NFL draft tonight. We're recording this on Thursday, by the way. Hello. Hey, Rianne, how you doing? I'm well, how are you? I'm good. I... So you can hear me. This is actually working. This is working. Paul, can you hear her? I can hear her, yes. I, I can hear Paul. Wow. Technology. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> All right. We have an SEO question for you that we could fumble through, okay. but you're the expert. So Mick okay. Irving asks, what about SEO apps versus DIY SEO versus using a consultant for SEO? It sounds like he's, he's looking for the silver bullet in his, his SEO strategy. What do you say to this? Okay, so what I say to this is twofold, and it depends on your financial position as a as an entrepreneur and as a company. In a perfect world, you can find a phenomenal SEO consultant who, frankly, will probably use some SEO apps in order to best implement their SEO strategy, right? But a good SEO consultant costs a lot of money, and if they don't cost a lot of money, they're not that good. And, and that's where I think it's important to realize a lot of SEO can be learned and then you can implement your DIY strategy through use of a good app. Or, you know what, you can use a DIY strategy on your own and you're going to have limited functionality unless you, you can code. But ultimately, I believe that a lot of SEO can be self-taught. Okay. However, if you're like a, a major brand, like if you're a plus, store and you're selling, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 million and you're like trying to rank up against Nike, et cetera, you know, that's a different, that's a different story. So whether or not I do it myself or hire a consultant, an app is still going to be involved. An app is just the tool here. It's not doing the work for me. Absolutely. The okay. app is the tool. It doesn't do the work for you. And then we've got, and then you, at that point, you either have to decide I need to hire a consultant to tell me what to do or a consultant to tell me what what to do and then do it and then either i you do do the entire thing diy or i use the consultant's advice to diy it absolutely and, it, and a good a good thing to do if you're you're on a budget um is to hire consultants to do a like a, a kind of a strategy plan for you and then you implement the plan yourself okay so that way you're not hiring the consultant you know and paying for every hour that they're working on your store and you're just hiring for that initial action plan gotcha okay perfect yeah. i think that answers the question awesome sounds good Re what's your twitter give it plug your twitter rian katie r-h-i-a-n-k-a-t-i-e perfect thank you rian 
Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Thanks, Rian. Cool. I can't believe that worked. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm honestly shocked. I thought this was going to be a shit show. <laughs> uh, we've got... This... Check, right. check your audio feed. Did it record her? Yes. It, okay, it has good. her in my <laughs> audio channel. Hold up. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the growth marketing platform most recommended by myself and other business leaders. In uncertain times, supporting your community and growing relationships with your customers is a strategy that will be appreciated, remembered, and shared. In good times and bad, open and empathetic communication with your customers is critical. Email is and always will be one of the best channels for delivering those communications. Email marketing is one of Clavio's core offerings. When you leverage personalization driven by a 360-degree view of the customer, those emails will feel even more relevant, fostering stronger relationships than ever before. Clavio knows how challenging it is for each and every entrepreneur to get their business off the ground, let alone navigate such trying times. So if you're feeling overwhelmed with growing your business, especially in this climate, I promise you are not alone. Clavio is here to help brands build relationships across any distance, creating meaningful, memorable email marketing moments that last a lifetime. Visit Clavio.com to start a free trial. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O.com. Talk to him. Which question do you want to do next? Uh, well, uh, Dylan Glenn wants to know uh, what gear setup and software you use to do a remote podcast with video. Uh, so what I have going on, Kurt and I uh, video chat with each other. Uh, we did Skype two weeks ago. I think we did Skype twice. Uh, today we're trying Slack because we're trying to get the dropouts so we can at least get a little better rapport with each other going. And while we're both record, while we're both video chatting with each other, we both have our iPhones set up and are recording our own video in our house. And we each are running Audacity locally on our machines and are speaking into our podcast mics and recording locally. And then we mail those, we throw that all into a big pot on Dropbox and everyone edits them all together. So I think there's... It, am I, I right or am I wrong? I've gotten this question. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, all right. We've gotten this this question before. Hey, what's the setup? How are you doing this remote uh, system? So for the audio gear itself, uh, you could find that at, at kurtelster.com slash gear. I listed, like, here's here's the setup we're using. Um, it kind of, I walk through, you know, why we why we chose those, uh, you know, very, that microphone, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, we just ripped it out of the office and brought it brought it here. So, like, Paul and I are doing a video call so we could see each other, but you never actually, you're not getting the audio or the video <laughs> from the video call and uh what you're seeing is the the local stuff so like we just independently separately have a camera set up and then we're also recording the audio locally the advantage there is you you're not dealing with the internet and compression and then all of that just goes in a dropbox folder and a a fine gentleman named matt brody edits it for us and then he really you know he does like the the youtube episode which does not get a ton of views but more importantly, he makes a trailer for it and he makes, um, which that helps us increase click-through rate on social media. And he does uh, a series of cut we, cut downs where it's like, it's just individual portions of the show. And those I could post to social media. So the full YouTube episode is actually not the valuable part. The valuable part is the individual chunks for social media. Yeah, and then the audio is just, uh, I, I grab Kurt's audio and I already have my local audio and I just do our standard editing in audacity and i pop the ads in and do all that setup but Very instead good. of doing it at the office i'm doing it at home uh similar to the smile offer john carlson aka forrester john i wish everyone had like a cool nickname forrester john forrester john says i had a website approach me and ask if they could promote my product and have an affiliate link in their site so far i've been denying all offers for others to sell my product in stores this is my first affiliate offer. Am I missing out if I say no to these offers? What are the pros and cons of affiliates? How do I get started? What would I pay them per transaction? What app would I install? Well, uh, so similar to the, the loyalty question, uh, you want to use one of several apps. My personal preference is Refersion. I've used it. I like it. I met the guys who made it. They're super cool. Um, 
they're very genuine and I've set this thing up for several stores, big and small. I've also been a affiliate on the receiving end, uh, getting payouts from Refersion. So I have total faith in the product. I know it does exactly what it says it'll do. And so Refersion's really easy to set up and they, you know, and it gives you a couple options. Like people can use a coupon code to uh, promote your site. So, so let's say some sites like, all right, we review uh, tree cutting gear. I'm not, I'm guessing Forrester John sells tree cutting supplies. <laughs> and <laughs> right. That's what I'm going with. Of course. Uh, yes. And then, so there's a website that reviews chainsaws and they're going to say, all right, well, here's our preference for chainsaw and here's where you should buy it from. And then that's a referral link. Sort of like how the wire cutter works. The, I would say if you have, like normally I think the con to a referral program is most people get the app, set it up, and then just expect affiliates to show up and sign up. You actually are in a very unusual position if you have people just approaching you going, hey, please let us promote your stuff with an affiliate link on our website. Uh, I don't see the risk. I don't see the con. Like the hard part just got done for you. So set up Refersion and let these people sell for you. As for the cut they get, um, you know, that's really, that's going to depend on the product, the niche, uh, the industry, the, like there's a lot there. A mattress company where it's hyper competitive, they're going to be willing to pay a lot more for a mattress sale. Someone buys an $800 mattress, the like the the payout on that might be up to $200 for the affiliate. Um, it could get very high. Whereas like Amazon, my affiliate links, depending on the category I'm in, they're going to be two to eight percent. Eight percent was pretty good um, for the. They used to do it for a lot more. Was eight percent. So that's probably the number I would look at right now, but it's going to, you know, if you're manufacturing versus drop shipping, obviously your margins are very different. So try to use common sense. I would say like 8% would be a, a perfectly good starting point is where that, both sides are going to be happy. Is that, eight per, uh, was, is that 8% of revenue or 8% of profit? Well, Refersion can't calculate profit, so it's 8%, it's 8% of the sale of price. The total sale. All right. Which, if you're drop shipping, I mean, that might eat up. Yeah, you might. That most might of kill the profit. You. Yeah. So it depends. I mean, you could do five percent, but you got to figure it out. At the same time, like on those particular purchases, you're probably not advertising to a new cold customer, so you've got um, a lower cost of goods sold there. Like it, it's a it's an advertising channel, but yeah, a hundred reversion all day long. I like it. What else we got, Mr. Rita? Okay. Uh, Jesse Tut asks, I'm getting 15,000 visitors a month, yet barely any sales. Congrats. Yeah. It's a tight market, but I feel something obvious is wrong, and his website is gotasleep.com. He sells mattresses. Oh, um, the problem is that he's selling mattresses. The problem is he's, it's se just he's selling mattresses. It's just like, you could see, go to any local strip mall, you could see how many mattress stores there are. <laughs> so... Not only it's so competitive. Not only is mattresses brutally competitive, and you know I could buy from uh, you know, a, a place in a strip mall where like there could be four in the outlot at one strip mall kind of thing. You know, there's a mattress firm uh, like every twenty feet where I live. I swear, and so you've got that problem. Then you also have all these direct to consumer brands that sell online and don't make any money doing it. That's very hard to compete with someone who's like actively shooting themselves in the foot every time they make a sale like Casper. When you go through that Casper IPO, it's complete insanity. So you got to compete with that. And those, you know, on the topic of affiliates, those are the guys that are spending a ton on affiliates. So when you Google the best mattress, the best mattress online, you're going to find a bunch of review sites that are really just affiliate marketing schemes. So like, sorry, there wasn't there like a big expose of like the online mattress industry and like the web of deceit and affiliate links and all that stuff. Yes. And it's fascinating. It's and anytime someone says, I want to start a mattress store, I send it to them. Yeah. It's nuts. Just fundamentally, you're really, you're in a very competitive space. I mean, it would be you, I, if you said, Hey Kurt, do you want to try and start and succeed with a mattress store or a porn site? It would be a tough choice. I would generally have to think hard about See, that. At least in a porn site, we can find an underserved niche in pornography. And then Where, this was that was supposed to be a throwaway comment. But mattresses, a mattress is a mattress. I mean, different kinds of porn. It's very different audiences. Oh, for God's sake. This is was a family <laughs> show. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, his store just 
first off, he's in a terrible hard industry. Like he's really got a, I don't know where he's getting, where he's getting this traffic from. So I'm like, okay, well, is the traffic bad? Um, cause his store, yeah, cause he's getting 500 people a day. It's nothing to sneeze at. His store itself doesn't look that bad. I see some problems with it in that his store is very, very Canadian focused. So if I'm in America and I end up on this store, I'm probably not going to buy from here. Because all the dollar, all the money's in Canadian. They talk about how the free shipping is everywhere in Canada. Uh, they're Canadian-made mattresses and all this sort of stuff. It's like, okay, I shouldn't buy here because I got to pay. It's still like semi-international, I guess, is the way I would think about it. Yeah, that's a con- for sure. That's a concern. Um, yeah, I, I caught that too. That it had uh, that currency issue. So if they're driving a lot of U.S. traffic to a store that's predominantly serving. Canada. Okay. That like you may have identified the problem right there. When questions like this come up though, I always go straight to we have to ask the people who aren't buying. So I want I want live chat on that site 100%. I need a live chat widget um that's manned by someone so that we could bust objections in real time. We could and then we can go back when we have 30 days of data and go, "Okay, what was the number one question? What was the number one thing stopping people from buying?" Uh, and then at the same time, you could do that as an exit intent pop-up. And I love Hotjar for this. I, bet, I swear every episode we I make this suggestion, get Hotjar, get the free plan. So this will cost you $0. Use it to run an exit intent pop-up on desktop. They either call it uh, a poll or a survey. It's one of the two. Um, one is like for people coming to the site. One's for people leaving. Just play with it. And... On desktop, when they go to exit, so when the mouse goes up out of the browser viewport, a window pops open and it's you ask them one question. You just say, if you didn't make a purchase today, why not? Because right now you're only hearing from the people who buy. We need to talk to the people who don't buy, right? And those are the two the two good ways to do it, is that live chat and that, that hot jar exit intent pop-up. Um, and they are not mutually exclusive. You could do both. And once you know, like there are these consistent complaints or consistent objections coming in, great, you could start addressing those on the website. At the same time, um, DTC, we talked about this before, DTC sites are really, really nice on design um, and content. So like, that's what your your competition is. I mean, you have to, more than ever with a, a mattress site, you got to really polish it to be at the level that like a Casper is. Even though they're burning money, it's still a beautiful website. I mean, yeah, this site is fine. It's not... It's not killing you, but it's not doing anything special. I really think it's too much Canadian branding because if you drove an American to the store, it's like, okay, I'm going to go over the, um, if you go over like the navigation, pillows, pillows, Canada, pillow protector, Canada, cooling pillow protector, Canada, bedding, mattress protector, Canada, weighted blanket, Canada, duvet, Canada. He's Canada is in the name of every single thing in the navigation. Like, did uh, these, that's an SEO play. Did these come stuffed with hockey pucks and maple leaves? Like, what is what? Why is this <laughs> like this? All the Canadian listeners are like, I'm leaving a one star review now. <laughs> the uh, yeah, but yeah, the pricing like, you know, it's 850 Canadian, which is a very that's um, very competitive. You know, six hundred dollars for a good queen size mattress. That's competitive and normal. Um, but eight fifty Canadian is six hundred dollars. But if I didn't know that and I just saw the mattress was eight fifty, I would be like, oh my god, I'm not paying that much. Yeah, no, I mean that currency thing is such an easy objection uh, to fix. However, we don't know that they're necessarily sending U.S. people to the site. Uh, but yeah, that like str- when the SEO keyword stuffing becomes readily apparent like that. That's a bad look. Certainly you want, ideally, if I land on a site, I want it to match my native currency. Um, bold multi-currency could do that. It uses geolocation to figure it out. Um, I'm sure there's other apps, but that's the one I'm familiar with. It, it looks. And then there's... It looks like in the header of this theme, it has a currency converter, and it's set to USD, but... And it's not... Oh, so it's not working. Yeah, it's not working. But like the price itself... Whoops. Okay. I don't know. And then overall, it, it, it would behoove you to hire a designer um just to like polish up the graphics and maybe establish um some brand guidelines for the website that just make it look a little cleaner like you don't necessarily need an e-commerce cro ux design expert a graphic designer still understands basic design and can can polish up because you've got like the bare bones the the foundation is good 
we just need someone to come in and pick the paint colors kind of thing. Yes. Similar to Paul's Brown Tuscan house. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, like he's he's dumping on this house, but I've seen the photos of it. It's extremely nice. They remodeled everything oh, no. before they moved out. I mean, oh, I don't, a very nice house. I don't, well, I shouldn't uh, speak on a turn, but no, they did a trash job. It's terrible. They they hired some weird guy. Like the house was like the he put some. Okay, weird... I said it looked good. I didn't say like the shower had to work. No, the shower the shower the shower actually doesn't work. Funny you should mention that. My, I know, but it looks really amazing. My favorite thing is is that uh, the refrigerator is a uh, a Viking. So the Viking. Oh, see, that's a very nice brand. Yeah, this is top. You shelf. know what it is? A, a Viking refrigerator is a really nice brand. Problem is, it's not a Viking refrigerator. It's actually a KitchenAid. She bought a Viking label off of eBay and glued it onto the refrigerator. No. Yeah. I thought that I was gonna make that joke, and I decided not to. Even better. I did not realize that's where you were going with this. That's literally what happened. Even better if you go in the fridge and look at the label in the refrigerator. She took a sharpie and scratched out KitchenAid. You know, really, she just used, she could have used a heat gun to remove the sticker. <laughs> and, the be- and so, like, the neighbors are coming over, and the neighbors are like, oh, we're your new neighbors. And we're like, hi. And they're like, oh, you guys got a great house. They put so much work into that house. They remodeled it. They really loved it and put in so much effort. And I, it's, I'm biting my tongue not to be like, no, they didn't. It's all surface-level bullshit. The house is falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> she replaced the badge on a KitchenAid fridge. That's amazing. That was so good. I just typed it to my wife. I was like, I have an idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like the furnace was like leaking carbon monoxide. It was covered in duct tape. Let, uh, all right. Let me. I got another call in question. I want to get Kurt Bullock uh, to answer a Facebook ads question for us. And Cara, Cara Doglio, 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 Doglio says, if I haven't run many paid ads on Facebook, and those I have done have been one-offs with no strategy, what's the bare minimum you would start with? Well, I think, you know, my short answer is, when in doubt, remarketing. You know, focus on the warm traffic that's already visited the site but hasn't bought, because it is dramatically easier than trying to get cold traffic to convert. And for content, you know, you could the dynamic ads make life a lot easier. You, you get to be less creative with it. So I think it's a, a good place to start. But why don't we call Mr. Kurt Bullock and see what he has to say on the topic? Let me first. I have to find him in my phone. Well, you have. A, are you searching your email for Kurt? Isn't that? Can't you just do that? That's problematic. <laughs> All emails say Kurt. Hello, Mr. Kurt Bullock. Mr. Elster. All right, you can hear us. Good. Uh, so I've got yep. a Facebook question for you that I would love for you uh, to give me your thoughts on. Kara asks, she says, if I haven't run many paid ads on Facebook and those I have done have been one-offs with no strategy, what's the bare minimum you would start with? Good question. Um, Okay. So bare minimum, she's probably talking about like the number of ads and maybe the budget, would you assume? Yeah. So I agree with you. If you're just going for the lowest hanging fruit, I would just start with like a 30 day website visitor retargeting audience. Um, and run with that, just like you outlined. If let's say that we're going to prospecting, um, I find there's a lot of questions with prospecting. I would make a conversion campaign optimized for purchase. And if it's a new ad account, which it sounds like it hasn't got much uh, history behind it, then I would probably start by targeting interest. Um, And so I would take so that you can track which interests are working well and which ones aren't, I'd, I'd take one interest per ad set. So if you want to test three different interests against each other, then you would have three ad sets. Is that making sense so far? Yes. And then I would put, just to keep it simple, two ads, the same two ads in each of those ad sets, right? Um, and then... I would really, with those two ads, I would keep the, co- the copy the same in both ads and just change the image in each of them okay. uh, so that you're kind of limiting the number of variables. So just pick two images. I would start with square images. Um, square shows across Facebook and Instagram uh, really well and, and fits in pretty much all placements. Um, and then I would uh, 
makes so the I run those ads for five days and choose the winning ad as far as budget. So you just you essentially just gave There's us a, like here's the the beginner's crash course in A B testing your ads. Just test your way to success. Cause you're saying run two yep. ads, keep everything the same except for the image. Make sure they're even the same ratio. Just use square images to make your life easy. And then whichever one performs better, okay, work take use that one. And then do like wash, rinse, repeat. Exactly. Okay. Um, as as far as the budget, that's a question that is you know I, I hear all the time. Um, there is you know Facebook what they're recommending, which you know I would say that's the optimal end of the spectrum. And then there's the reality of when you're starting, you don't want to blow a whole bunch of money. Uh, Facebook says, hey, you should be trying to aim for you know for fifty purchases a week. Well, that that can re- that can be a really big budget. And so when I'm when I'm testing. The way I, I usually think about it is a multiple of your average order value. So let's say that you've got a $30 average order value. Okay. Um, then I, I would just set each of those three ad sets. At the minimum, make sure that you're spending at least your average order value uh, as your daily budget. Um, and the goal there is to be getting at least one purchase every day. And then as you start to see success, you increase your budget closer and closer to that 50 a week, which if you break that down by seven days is, you know, roughly seven purchases a week. So seven times your average order value is what you would be aiming for, but just start with one times your average order value as your budget. And that will get you started. Okay. I lo- That's great. I love any time we could take something that feels squishy and subjective and scary. Like what budget should I pick and have like, all right, here is a rule of thumb, a good starting point. And it's, uh, one point five extra average order value for what time period is that? So I would I would run it for five days if you're going to be doing it for one extra average order value or, or one and a half average order value. Um, if you increase your spend, you can run it for a shorter amount of time. But if you're just going to be doing one extra AOV, then I would run that for five to seven days. Okay. Uh, yeah. Any other last minute beginner tips? Let's see. When you're picking your images, I would try and pick two pretty different concepts with your images so that you can test, uh, you know, so that you can get some learnings from them as opposed to just taking your product and switching the color, you know, color blue and color red background. Um, I would, I would shift it entirely to come up with a different concept so that you can start to figure out, uh, you can, Clarity comes from the distinctions that you make between those, right? And you see which one works better and you can kind of learn, okay, this is the direction I should be headed. So that would be my next step. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, (laughs) All right, that's perfect. Thank you, Mr. Bullock. I'll let you go. Good. All right, nice talking to you guys. Stay safe. Uh, We got two more and then we're going to call it a day. All right, we got uh, Braden Steffenshin asks... I recently installed the JSON LD app and want to add a product reviews app next that will help with SEO rich snippets, but there seems to be so many options. I was initially going to go with Shopify reviews app, but it seems to have terrible reviews. Help. Okay. Um, so some background, JSON LD app is, uh, from little stream software, Eric Davis. He was a guest on this show. It's a, a one-time cost app. I think it's, um, I think it's $300. Uh, but what it does is fix, uh, the rich snippet structured data in your theme and make sure it stays fixed. And that's it. It does one thing really well. And the advantage to doing that, you go, well, why would I care? The advantage to doing that is when you Google something and the, um, the item in the search ranking has like extra elements in it, say review stars or the phrase in stock, that's rich snippet data. That's what Jason LD is doing. <sighs> it will... It's really cool when you can have those review stars in the the search ranking because it really, it, it radically increases click-through rate. When I search for something, I find something that sounds like what I want and there's a five-star indicator on there. Um, so that's what he's he's trying to get. And to do it, obviously you have to have a reviews app. Well, uh, Jason LD works with, uh, like there's a series of apps it will work with, it auto-detects it um, and then and figures it out from there. Shopify product reviews is free and the free Shopify apps are often, um, they're basic. They just get the job done and you're good to go. The reason that product reviews app has negative reviews is because it doesn't send emails requesting reviews. So I think that's what people are pushing back on. 
I asked Eric Davis, who makes the app in question, I said, what's your preference? He goes, oh, I like Shopify product reviews. It's simple, it's free, and it works. Um, so you could give that a shot as long as you are sending out some kind of email requesting reviews. You just have to make sure you're doing that. If you don't want to mess with that or you want something fancier, I really like Stamped. I, I don't know why. I've just, of all the, the apps I've used, it's the one that I feel the most comfortable with. Paul, from an installation management uh, standpoint in Themes, which of these reviews app makes your skin crawl the least? Well, no, I mean, Stamped and, uh, Stamped and the Shopify reviews app are both fine. In fact, most Themes now have the Shopify reviews app code sort of pre-installed like it's ready to go it's just you know that it's ready for it um and i think stamped either can work off of that or it's literally you put stamped is very similar it's just one div you put it in the same spot and it's fine uh yachtpo is kind of a pain in the ass but we also don't like yachtpo anyway because they jack their prices through the roof and it's not worth it the you know they're all good and yachtpo has some exclusive features it's also the most expensive reviews app by far. Um, and for that reason, like it used to be the go-to if you'd ask in like a, a Facebook group, hey, which reviews app should I do? People loved Yachtpo. And then, you know, they, they raised prices, which it's entirely their right to do. But that now that's what people started looking at. Stamped and judge me. I'd say like those are, Shopify product reviews is free and easy. And that's great. The biggest downside is it doesn't send emails on its own. Stamped, I think is very good. Judge me is very good. Yachtpo is very good, but it, got some enterprise features that really push the price up. Final question. Christian Baldi Garcia asks, what are the top three things you would do to grow your following or list of starting a new store from scratch on a low budget of say around 200 a month? Thank you in advance. Hmm. I a thought provoker. How about this? Create a killer piece of content that helps people somehow with whatever your product is or what it does or something. A helpful piece of content, you give it away, the only cost is they gotta give their email. Or you just give it away and then when they go on your site to read it, you cookie them and then you could remarket to them later. Well, so he's got a, let's say that, I, I'm gonna say this, this $200 a month budget is a firm budget that also includes like the software. So, cause you're gonna spend um, you know, probably 79 a month on Shopify. You know, maybe you're on uh, a lower tier, a plan. But all right, we got that cost. If there's any app uh, costs for Shopify, you know, those are like five to 20 bucks a pop. So rapidly, you are going to burn through this $200 a month budget. And so that's, I don't want to uh, do anything with paid advertising. And I don't know that we could do anything with paying influencers. But maybe what we could do here. So that I think the focus is going to be on content. And I like your idea. Uh, I, depending on the space, ideally, you know, maybe you, this is like built around some hobby, niche, or passion that you love, some interest you have. I hope so. You know, maybe it's around RC cars. I think that's a, like a great example for this is a hobby. And then the hobbyists get into very high dollar purchases. You can, I have a $70 RC car. You could easily spend $1,000 building an RC car. So let's say we, we start Kurt's RC car store, but I'm not going to spend a lot of money on, on advertising the thing. What I would do is I would use, you know, my passion and interest and share that. I'd work in public on social media, try and get an audience there. But ideally, I'd try to write ultimate guide content. So it'd be like, you know, here's how to upgrade X. Here's how to get your one eighth scale car to 70 miles an hour. Here are options for that. And then those articles, you know, I could have a piece of YouTube video in there that in which I walk through it. And then the, um, you know, text that goes with it. That's like a step-by-step -step that walks through it. So now I've got two pieces of content out of this. And then in there, I can link to my products. I could then also do to pulse point, a content upgrade. This is where, all right, if you want to download, like, Hey, here's the video. Hey, here's how to do it. If you, and here's the step-by-step -step guide. But if you want the step-by-step -step guide with pictures, ah, that's a PDF download. And, and then we have an opt-in form. And then you enter your email and then it sends it to them or it redirects them to the PDF that they could download. Okay, cool. Now we've got, we've got social media content. We've got uh, organic content for our, our SEO play to try and get Google results. And uh, later down the road, we can retarget people who visit that article with relevant products that we mentioned in the article. And we can, um, ideally, we're building that email list using this content upgrade. 
Maybe that's a form embedded in the page. That'd be really cool. Maybe you don't want to mess with that. It could be a pop-up on like welcome or on scroll. Like they get halfway through, hey, you want the whole article with photos as a PDF? Enter your email. Um, I think that would be very clever. And once we got that far, that's a pretty good strategy. This is going to be time consuming to do. Um, but hopefully, you know, your, your passion is what allows you to do this. And like the first one isn't going to, you're not going to publish it and get a ton of traffic. You know, you're going to, this is going to be a thing you do weekly for, uh, you know, 60 days or six months before we start to get, get traction and see things moving. What you could also do is maybe like, if you establish yourself as, you know, having a general interest and influence in this space, um, and you start building a social media audience, uh, maybe you could reach out to in other influencers in the space. Ideally, micro-influencers, someone with like under 20,000 followers, like 5 to 15 would be great. And say, hey, you know, would you see if you could build a natural relationship with them and get them to share the content. And maybe even um, like instead of you can't necessarily pay them in cash, maybe you could pay them with product. That's extremely common um, in that that influencer space. So I think that's that would be the strategy I take. Uh, anything else, Mr. Rita? I'm good. We covered a lot on this episode. Yeah, there's a lot. I like the guest calling. Oh yeah, that's, that's a game changer now. We're doing that every week. We're going to put an even, that's like super pro. We're going to put an even less effort. Maybe we have people, we call people, like people ask questions, like, cause there is a good discussion question from John Murphy where he bought a new, he bought a second store, um, in addition to his first store. And he gave me a full explanation on it, but I still didn't quite get it. And it would have been us like making a lot of guesswork or same with like this Christian Beatty ball or Christian Baldy Garcia question. I just did like I, to make the answer work. I had to make up an example, but this could be like wildly different from what he's actually doing. If I could call people on the show and like we talk through it with them for 10 minutes and then move on, that might be a really cool. Well, format. first of all, we all know you just want to turn this show into car talk. Second of all, uh... <laughs> click and clack the yes. Tappet brothers. Second of all, um, I think that's good, though, because uh, these people are asking very specific questions about themselves. But when we kind of just have to go off on it, we then generalize it more, which makes it better for our general audience is the way I see it. But OK, but call- have, when was the last time you watched Frasier? Uh, 90s NBC sitcom Frasier. A lot. Oh, all right. You want something? You want something else? I'm mad about. Can I tell you something else? I'm That's mad what about? I'm going for. All right. So I pay for CBS All Access because uh, I got to watch my, my Star Treks. And so CBS All Access has Cheers, Frasier, uh, like Caroline in the City, all these NBC shows because they were produced by like Paramount Television, which is now owned by CBS. So it's like even though all those sh- shows famously aired on NBC. They're on the CBS streaming app, which I think is bull. And there should be a federal law stating that shows can only stream on the network that aired them because it's too confusing. (laughs) I know. I'm always, well, I use the Apple TV and I just go watch and I name a show. And then it says, I can't help you with that. And then I ask a second time and it's like, all right, well, here's a convoluted interface. But like, I think there's some places you could stream this. Yes, you're right. It is very bizarre. Yeah. Like, uh, Mike. My camera battery is about to die, okay. so that's that's the red light telling me to wrap it up. That means we're done. But we're yes, done. callers. I uh, think all right. callers could be good. Let's give it a shot. Yeah, we're, let's try it. Let's keep doing it. Uh, and as always, if you want your question on the show, if you want to be a call-in person in a future episode, you got to join the Facebook group. That's where the action happens. Search Unofficial Shopify Podcast on Facebook. Join the Unofficial Shopify Podcast Insiders, and we will discuss with you what ails you. And of course, leave a review. Oh my gosh, I noticed we have an excellent 4.8 rating. Can we get it to 4.9? Or will it That's will it, what I'm going will for. It drop to 4.7. All right, and my my camera officially died, so we're going out on on a shot of you. Uh all right. Okay, go. Thank right. you, Mr. Rita. Talk soon. Bye everybody. Big news from our friends at Out of the Sandbox this month. Their newest theme just launched. It's called Flux. And it's for those of us who loved all the bells and whistles in Turbo, but thought, I need more of this. That's where Flex is a game changer for you. It can be configured in an endless number of ways, thanks to more layout and section options than ever, more granular control of settings, and easy addition of custom CSS through the theme editor. It's perfect for development agencies like ourselves, 
as well as e-commerce entrepreneurs like you looking to create a unique online store experience for your customers. Now, here's the coolest part. Flex has a new Demo Shop Import feature that allows you to fast-track your shop setup based on any of 12 demo shops. You get all of the theme settings, layouts, content, and sections used in that demo shop of your choice applied automatically to your store. You can check Flex out right now at outofthesandbox.com. And if you like it, take 20% off the purchase price when you use code PODCAST20 at checkout. That's outofthesandbox.com and code PODCAST20. The unofficial Shopify podcast is distributed by EtherCycle LLC. We'll be back next week with more value bombs for Shopify store owners. If you're looking for more high quality and actionable advice on learning the business of e-commerce, join thousands of other Shopify store owners on our totally free newsletter at eCommerce Bootcamp. That's eCommerce-Bootcamp.com.